The other great fact which makes the whole book of Job religious instead of merely philosophical is that other great surprise which makes Job suddenly satisfied with the mere presentation of something impenetrable. Verbally speaking, the enigmas of God seem darker and more desolate than the enigmas of Job. Yet Job was comfortless before the speech of God and is comforted after it. He has been told nothing, but he feels the terrible and tingling atmosphere of something which is too good to be told. The refusal of God to explain his design is itself a burning hint of his design. The riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man. Welcome to Pints with Chesterton, a podcast where two millennial women dive into the wonderful and whimsical works of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. I'm Grace. And I'm Marie. Today, as promised, we are talking more about the man who was Thursday. Grace, what are you drinking today? I've uh, I've got some coffee. It's the morning. It's a little crazy at work, so I'm I'm a little sleepy, but it's all right. <laughs> coffee How are helps you? with that. I'm doing well. Um, I'm also drinking coffee. I'm actually... <laughs> I'm drinking the decaf coffee that we liked from the conference, which is <laughs> Fol- Folgers, because the best part of waking oh up goodness. is Folgers in your cup. <laughs> Folgers in uh, your cup, apparently. Folgers, <laughs> if you want to sponsor our episodes, go ahead. Um, uh, yeah, and actually, oh it's really yummy because I put a little bit of, um, I usually just drink my coffee pretty simple, but today I put a little dairy in it, which is delicious because Wisconsin, and then a little maple because Wisconsin Wisconsin. and then a little maple syrup from the Amish because David and I went to go visit the Amish last weekend and do some grocery shopping so um it's a pretty pretty tasty coffee so somebody told me I don't remember where this was or who it was maybe at the conference I don't know somebody told me that they were listening to our episodes and we're very disappointed that we are literally never drinking pints anymore <laughs> did like, we do it I'm one so time? <laughs> I know, maybe. I think we did I know it one I time. I drank a pint twice. for breakfast on our first episode, but yeah. it's so funny because, like, Marie and I both are such, like, or we were at least, like, such pints drinkers. Like, I feel like we were always having pints, and then both of our lives like changed inexplicably. Yes, <laughs> it was like all of a sudden, and neither I, of us were drinking pints, or we were yeah. recording in the morning, or. <laughs> and I anyway. love, I love a pint. I recently had like, yeah, I I love to have a beer here and there, but it never appeals to me in the morning. And that's usually when we're recording. (laughs) We could lie to you guys and tell you that we're drinking pints, but we're not. We're drinking coffee and tea and smoothies. (laughs) Um, Just water, honestly. We're very healthy over here. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. I know the name, Uh. the name is a little confusing (laughs) with our habits, I guess. Um, so just know that we love pints. So, you know, exactly. If we had the correct opportunity, we would. If we were recording in England in the evening, which Mm. maybe goals someday, uh, Mm. then we will certainly drink a pint, raise a glass (laughs) or have some wine because Chesterton liked wine. Yeah. In a pint, like in a a beer mug. Isn't that what they said? (laughs) Yeah. That he would, he wasn't too into beer. So, um, what have you been up to since we last recorded? Um, work is crazy. <laughs> it's welcome. It's 
several welcome weeks of students mm. at the college where I'm at. And so um, we're doing a ton with that. So I'm working pretty much every day of the week. There's something going on a lot of evenings. So um, it's really fun, but it's been pretty crazy. So that's why I'm a little sleepy this morning. Oh, man. I know. How about I, you? This is your busiest time of year, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, gosh, what have we been doing? Surviving. No, we've been, <laughs> we've been really good. We've been kind of back to our regular routine after having lots of guests with us. Um, actually, today, David and I went and ran a 5K for... With Alexander for oh our my gosh. nieces for and nephews school. And we came in second to last, but I was proud of doing it, of completing it, because I haven't yeah. run in a long time. Um, and I wore my Reed Chesterton shirt, which I'm wearing right now, um, <laughs> on the run, which was awesome. And thank you, Matt Swain, for designing and Nerdy Catholic Tees for selling. Um, but I'll <laughs> maybe post a picture of this shirt on Instagram. Um, but yeah, so we did a run this morning. We've been just like enjoying Alexander. He's almost walking. Um, he's like walking with help and yeah. um, just getting into everything. Super funny. We we have a lot of laughs going on in our house right now. So oh my gosh, yeah. I love it. Good. Have you what been if, reading anything? Um. Yes. Yes. Um. I paused because. For the first time in a while, I'm not reading any fiction, and that feels mm. wrong to me. Um, so <laughs> I, I need to pick something up quickly. No, but um, I've got just a stack of books, and I can't decide what to start with. But I've been doing um, a lot more time with scripture every day. So oh, good. Yeah, I um, actually was really inspired by Grace at the conference because she's, like, always – like looking like a mad genius scribbling away in notebooks <laughs> and like um we've had a conversation about it and she talks to god that way and writes in journals and stuff and um and spends more time with the word i think than i i do so anyway i left the conference and i was like just craving a deeper relationship with our lord and feeling mm. like really like I was missing him. So yeah. yeah, I've been really like, really, even if there are kids screaming around me, <laughs> um, like taking the same time every morning to at least read for 15 or 20 minutes. And yeah. it's been amazing. And like every morning, I, I'm not like making any huge goals like, oh, I need to understand everything perfectly that I'm reading. But I just kind of take note of what stands out to me. And pray over it and I've been doing the liturgy of the hours too and that's been really oh, great that's awesome so um that's kind of what I've been reading the rest of the day has been kind of crazy I've got the two kids a lot of the time so <laughs> what have you been yeah. reading that's great yeah um no I <laughs> I don't know about the genius part but definitely mad uh, scribbling in my journal <laughs> um I'm like she's no, writing I, a novel I, or something over there uh, like no no wasting I just, my life away no 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 I it's really usually the same thing over and over again I tell God all the time I'm like I know I'm a broken record but here we are um no but it's it's just I don't know for some reason it helps me to get something out of my brain and onto a piece of paper and I can like move forward that way but if it stays in my head I like get caught up and I just spin and spin and spin and so mm. um 
anyway, so that's really helpful for me. And I also, I've just been trying to be faithful to that scripture every day. And there's a Bible study that I am a part of that helps with that, with accountability. But, um, anyway, yeah, other than that, I have been trying to read, um, one of Chesterton's essays every night before I go to bed. Um, and I was doing, I, th- I may have mentioned it on the last podcast, but after the conference, I was really inspired by Susan, um, yes. who gave a talk and she mentioned in the talk that she started reading Chesterton's essays just every day and just having that kind of in the background. Cause they're real short and they're easy to get through. And, um, I have that collection called in defense of sanity. And yes. so I just figured I would put it by my bedside. And so that's been really awesome to just kind of like. Um, focus my brain on something (laughs) every night before I go to sleep. Um, so I've been enjoying that. You know, that's a good, um, point for a lot of people have asked us what to start with, with Chesterton. Mm -hmm. And we've often said father Brown or something like that. That's Mm -hmm. fun. And like gets you used to his way of speaking and writing, but also Mm -hmm. the essays would be a great way to jump in Mm -hmm. because they're Mm -hmm. so short that like you can, you can, chew it (laughs) like it's not you're not biting off more than you can chew um right and we've done I guess I've only done standing on uh one leg but yeah anyway the essays are a lot of fun and that would be a good way if anybody's wondering oh how can I start maybe you just read a couple essays especially if fiction's not your thing but you're overwhelmed by orthodoxy Mm -hmm. or um the everlasting man or whatever it is that you're kind of looking at maybe start with an essay Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Was, if you're not a fiction person, because I am a fiction person, but if um, I've met a lot of people, I was even talking to people at the conference who <laughs> there were a lot of people at the conference who were saying like, I'm not really a fiction fan. So like I didn't yeah. really like get into the man who was Thursday or man alive yeah. or anything like that, you know, and I was like, oh man, like those are my favorite. But, um, yeah. but if you're not the essays, yeah, they they are really easy. Just like little bite sized pieces of Chesterton's. Um, yeah sparkling wit (laughs) yeah and his his thought is very um connected across everything that he writes you're gonna Mm -hmm. get a lot of the same themes and ideas coming through so it would be a good way to get yeah a great taste of Chesterton without really committing to a a full book Mm -hmm. um so we're here today to dive into something um more deeply the man who's Thursday Mm -hmm. And this is a good segue because we're going to be talking about an essay um, in conjunction with the book of Job and everything a little bit more. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I think I I mentioned on our last podcast about Thursday um, how I had read it so many times in order to try to understand it and when Marie and I recorded the the first episode we did on it I was on my fourth read through um and I I knew at that point because I had read an essay that there was this connection to Job and I think I talked about it a bit um on that last episode yeah but after we recorded I went back and read it again um and I usually listen I'm a audio learner and so I, I like to listen to books but this time I got the paper copy and I read it with a highlighter and a pencil <laughs> and I went through the whole thing really quickly um and I was just blown away by all of the references that I could see 
direct references I could Mm. see to the book of Job. Mm. And so I was like, we need to talk about this more because we kind of did like this overview. um, And I still kind of want to, I guess it'll be an overview. We're not going to go chapter by chapter or anything, but, um, but I do want to just point out some more things that kind of came to the forefront and maybe just like sharpen our focus a little bit more on some themes that I think um, Chesterton was trying to express now that I've really kind of read it with the book of Job. And I had some affirmation because at the conference, um, that was what I was speaking about. And I was really nervous to speak about it because I was like, I don't know, this is like a famously confusing book. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know if I have this right or if on the right track or whatever, but I remember, um, when I talked to, maybe I said this on our conference episode, but when I talked to Dale, (laughs) I was like, what is the meaning? Yeah. And to Joseph, I was like, what is the meaning of the man who was Thursday? And Dale said, it's the book of Job. And I was like, yes. Okay. (laughs) Come on the right track. I'm there. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm just like, honestly, just praise God that he has this sense of humor and just this providence of putting that book in my life, um, for the last couple of years and just like allowing me to kind of process my own life, my own struggles, like through that lens and then having Thursday come out as, as being part of it. So, Mm. um, I don't remember how much we talked about it before. Um, but I just, I reread the essay, Chesterton's essay on the book of Job, which really, it really wasn't an essay. It was an introduction to the book of Job um, that he wrote. So it was supposed to be before you read the the book itself. Um, And I just think it's magnificent. Um, It helped me understand the book of Job better. It helped me understand what he was trying to do in Thursday better, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, So I have a couple of quotes that I just wanted to discuss from that essay um, and then we can just kind of talk about different connections that I think it has to Thursday. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. So, um, the first quote that I have, he's talking about, um, doubt, right? So just kind of a recap for those of you who aren't as familiar with the book of Job. Um, Job is a righteous man. Um, he is truly seeking God, truly to truly trying to live out a righteous life. Um, it's very clear about that in the beginning. And it's for that reason that Satan comes to God and asks to basically make Job suffer. Um, because he doesn't believe if Job, this perfect, righteous man, not that he's perfect, but you know, he's like very righteous. Um, if he is, um, suffering, then he will curse you, God. Um, I don't believe that he's truly faithful. He's only faithful because he's like got all this great stuff going for him in his life. life He's got a wife and he's got kids and he's got property and he's successful and everyone loves him and you know he's got health and all these different things um and so if he suffers god he's going to curse you um i don't believe that he's really faithful so allow me to basically torment him um in these physical earthly ways um and so and by the way this story is meant to be sort of like a novella like it's not necessarily a historical book it's like historical fiction um but it has a lot to say I think so anyways um God allows Satan to um take things away from Mm -hmm. Job um but he tells him that he's not allowed to harm him in the sense of like fatally harm him he's not allowed to take his life Um, And so we see Job in kind of one fell swoop. He loses everything. He loses his property. He's his family is attacked and killed. Um, He 
is all of a sudden covered in these boils. Like he's not well physically. Um, and so he's suffering greatly. And so he's sitting on this ash heap with his friends, um, just crying out to God and questioning why, why am I suffering? Why is my life worth living? Why am I suffering? Um, but what was really fascinating about it is that he never disbelieves in God. Um, so the question in Job is not really like, does God exist? But is God good? Mm-hmm. Um, or is there an order does he really or a reason? Love- yeah. Yeah. And does, does he, he really, really love, love me? me? Like, does he really care for me? Um, yeah. But Job is really wanting to know, like he, it's like he believes it, but he's suffering so greatly that he's like, I want you to tell me God or whatever. And mm. so his friends sit with him and at first they're silent and they're just with him and his suffering. But then they start to try to rationalize everything. They start to come up with all of these reasons why Job is suffering. Um, Job, you must have done something wrong. You must have cursed yeah. God. You must have, you know, done something to make him angry because God is just. And like, we he must be able to make logical to sense out of this. Yeah. Right. And so they start and they say when you read it, it's honestly um, the first time I read it, it was really confusing because a lot of the stuff they were saying, like, sounded really legit to me. I was like, oh, wow. Like these these friends, like it sounds like they're saying things that, you know, a faithful person would say. Um, But at the end of Job, um, a lot of things happen. God appears. He starts to talk to Job about about some things. Um, And but at the end, God gets kind of angry with the friends and he's like, you guys have misrepresented me. Um, but my servant Job, like he has like kept me in the right frame of mind. Um, and so that's really, uh, interesting and mysterious. So basically when God shows up at the end of Job, he doesn't answer any of Job's questions directly, but instead he starts talking about all of these things in the cosmos. Like he starts talking about all these animals that he created and he starts asking questions of Job. Where were you when I created the stars mm. and the sun and the moon and the snow? And like, do you know where these things come from? Do you know why they're here? Do you know why they're so crazy and wild looking mm. and like all these different things? And so he's kind of questioning Job as Job has been questioning him Mm. and it's really fascinating because at the end Job doesn't get any of his questions answered directly but he's satisfied um and it's very like wait what (laughs) like why Why would you be satisfied satisfied? without getting any of those answers you know um but I I want to argue I guess I think that it's because he had this encounter with God himself and he kind of recognized in humility his own place in all of creation which is that Mm. like honestly he's not God he doesn't know the answers to these things and like even if God tried to explain them um he wouldn't understand because God is so much more vast and infinite um than Job could ever wrap his mind around but the key is that he recognizes somehow in his encounter with God that God is good and I think that is what is happening like what has to happen in our lives um to like really encounter God to know his goodness and his care for Mm -hmm. us and his love for us um despite our inability to understand the order behind the universe um and I think that's exactly what's happening in The Man Who Was Thursday as well. Wow. Um, so we talked about last time, Thursday, uh, Syme, 
being sort of like Job, um, maybe, and his friends, or the people, the other days of the week sort of being like his friends, Job's mm-hmm. friends, and um, Gregory being like Satan, the accuser. He's even yes. called the accuser later. Yes. Um, and Sunday being as God, who is super enigmatic difficult to understand they can't pin him down mm-hmm. he's like too big for them to, <laughs> to like comprehend um he is like scary to them in certain frames of mind but jolly to them in other frames mm-hmm. of mind <laughs> it's like very confusing and they're sort of like trying to figure everything out um and so yeah that that quote that we read at the beginning um from chesterton's essay He says, verbally speaking, the enigmas of God seem darker and more desolate than the enigmas of Job. Um, Yet Job was comfortless before the speech of God and is comforted after it. He has been told nothing, but he feels the terrible and tingling atmosphere of something which is too good to be told. Mm. Um, And the refusal of God to explain his design is itself a burning hint of his design. The riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man. That's one of his favorite, his famous quotes. Um, and I, I think that, oh, go ahead. You have something. I know. I'm just, I'm, have you ever read till we have faces by yes. C- C.S. Lewis? Doesn't yes. this remind you of the, uh, like her going before the gods at the end of the story? And wow, that's like really true. Yeah. You like the gods themselves or the god god gods themselves are the answer mm-hmm. like she doesn't get she she's um listing all of her complaints again and again mm-hmm. she like has her book of complaints and she like reads it and reads it and reads it and then she like mm-hmm. can't speak anymore and it's that's the answer i don't know i'm being i'm like hearing echoes of yeah this, which- no i think you're totally on it yeah let, that's Correct. I love that book too. When I read it, I yes. was blown away by it. I read it with David's podcast. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, sorry, continue, please, on what you mm. were saying. No, I was just thinking that um at the end of The Man Who Was Thursday, when Syme and all of the days of the week finally are kind of on the same team, but they're still arguing about like, why are we even here? What is happening? Who is Sunday? Like we're all really confused. We all have different yeah. theories, we're not really sure. Um, but they start kind of like talking and trying to figure it out. Um, Syme comes to this understanding in some weird way that Sunday, despite all of his fear of him before, that he's like somehow good. Um, that there's like this kind of weird um, joy or something that he sees in Sunday and I think there's a couple of other characters that see that as well like Mm -hmm. they think like oh my gosh he might he might die like he's in the hot air balloon you know at the end and they're like what's gonna happen to him like or I hope that it so one of them says like I hope that it pops and the other one's like no 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 I don't want him to be hurt you know and they're like why not like (laughs) he's been like pursuing us he seems evil like and he's like I don't know I just I I feel like I sort of like him for some reason. (laughs) I feel like we, I can like relate to that in some way with God where there's this weird, like, I don't know, you, you have this fear, but then you realize like in some flashing moment that actually you have nothing to be afraid of, that God's like actually good and he's smiling and he's on your side. And like, he's got something much greater than you can possibly imagine. Like, Mm. I don't know. It's so this is such a good conversation like for everybody's own spiritual 
journeys because I think a lot of like what we learn in this particular situation with like them comparing him to a great bouncing baby, but also saying he seems Mm -hmm. wicked and all of that, Mm -hmm. that we can't really pin down God. Like Mm -hmm. we can't fully understand him and we, he is more complex than what we can even comprehend. I mean, I think it's really easy to say, I don't know, <laughs> to to look at God and what we know of him and to get into the mindset of like, God is good. God would never like ask me to suffer. God would never mm-hmm. blah, 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 which is like more so, I guess, prosperity gospel sort mm-hmm. of like as long as you do the right things, like God will bless mm-hmm. you and like lift you up and your your life will just be an outpouring of blessings. But the truth is, and anybody who's lived for any amount of time can attest to this, like, we will suffer. Everybody Mm -hmm. suffers. It's just how and when. And and I've been really benefiting from what you've been um, saying about the book of Job because it's like a weight off of us to not have to ask the question why or to ask the question why, but then have the Lord be the answer. Yeah. It's like... I think too, it's like not even just not that God will not ask us to suffer, but even like for us to know the reason why we're suffering. Um, because I think for me, I could always think like, oh, like, well, if God allows me to suffer, then there's a reason, which I think is true. But what I, I guess, didn't really think about before is like, what if I never know the reason why, mm-hmm. you know? Um, And I think for me, I'm always wanting to like figure things out in my brain. I'm always wanting everything to fall into a nice, neat little box. And I think Mm -hmm. part of being, um, you know, part of the, the joy for me of being Catholic is that there are answers, you know, Um, there are things that very clearly fit together that are beautiful. And it's like the symphony of faith that John Paul talked about, like that all of the, the doctrines and the teachings, they all fit together in this beautiful order. Um, but on the other side of that is the reality of mystery. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is order, but there's also mystery and the two are held in tension. It's like, can we understand some things? Yes, because God Mm -hmm. has revealed them for our benefit, but can we understand everything? Absolutely not. And I think that's the thing that, that at least people like me struggle Mm -hmm. with more because Mm -hmm. we want to see how everything fits into everything else. But I think one of the, um, quotes from the essay on Job see if I can find it um he was talking about something fitting into everything else but like what good is that if it's still like fitting into everything else and like for like a bad reason or something like that um Mm. dang I don't know if I can find it oh yeah um They will keep on saying that everything in the universe fits into everything else as if there were anything comforting about a number of nasty things all fitting into each other. (laughs) We shall see later how God in the great climax of the poem turns this particular argument altogether upside down. So he's basically just saying like, Every, if everything is bad and fits into everything else, then like, why do we care if it's in yeah. everything else? Cause it's still bad. Yeah, so the question is satisfying. Like, yeah. Right. So the question, the question of, of Job and the question of us, um, and the question that I think that the days of the week are asking in Thursday is like, 
what the heck is going on? Is there an order? But also, even if there is an order, like, is it all bad? Like, is it all yeah. for like a bad reason? Like, um, because if that's the case, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. You yeah. Know? Do you really have good intentions for me? Which, mm. I mean, okay, Grace, you've thought about this a lot now. So mm-hmm. I have to ask you, we see um, the man who is Sunday in the man who is Thursday acting mm-hmm. as two characters, right? Or <laughs> multiple mm-hmm. characters, but two char- two main characters, right? He's the police mm-hmm. chief and he's the mm-hmm. uh, president of the anarchist council or whatever. So mm-hmm. why? Like if he's <laughs> meant to represent the Lord. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like what? How and- do we, how do we understand that? And like, why does he take them for <laughs> such a wild ride? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I don't know, just to be honest, I don't I don't know. But I think, A, that that's part of it, like that we not know, don't know why God does what he does. Like we mm. we don't know why God allows what he allows. Mm. Um, I think that's part of the answer is that like we can't comprehend why God's doing what God's doing. Um, it kind of has to humble us. Like we have to get to this place of understanding, like I cannot fit the heavens in my head Mm. um like my head will split right to go back to another chestertonian thing um it is impossible for me to wrap my mind around what god is doing and i think chesterton um kind of has fun with thursday as he's writing it um i i think he's making up crazy stuff that like he doesn't have to explain because (laughs) because it's like because it's the book of Job. explain (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um but i also think maybe maybe some order in this like if we if we take if we truly take it as god um all of these men on the council and this is just my theory but all these men on the council um in some sense are prideful um they believe that they have everything figured out they believe that their philosophy is the philosophy um, that's true. They are um, fighting for something very particular. Um, they think that they're fighting against evil by going undercover as these detectives mm-hmm. um, to prevent anarchy. And they are in a certain way, right? Like, like I, I think Chesterton would definitely argue that anarchy is not good, <laughs> you know, um, that yeah. there is an order to the universe, that there should be an order to yes. society and all of these kinds of things. Um, so in some way, they, they're on the right track. But I think that they're still prideful in some way in the way mm-hmm. that they're going about it. And Sunday is trying to break them of that yeah. um, and help them see their own ignorance. Um, to help them see that they don't actually have everything figured out and that there's a humility that's necessary and a receptiveness that's Mm. necessary in order to truly um, know God or to know goodness or truth or, you know, Mm. to be on the right track. Um, That's my theory. I don't know if that's (laughs) what he was trying to say. Mm. Um, But I just, I think, I think that's my theory because that was, is what has been happening in my own life. You know, where I'm mm. like, oh, I think I've got everything figured out. I think I can put everything into everything else in a nice, neat little row, uh, understand, comprehend. Yeah. Um, but there were there was a situation that happened in my life where nothing made sense to me. And it seemed like God was leading me somewhere and he he wasn't. Um, and so that was sort of earth shattering for me. I had never experienced anything like that. And all of the sort of... Um, 
like order and rules and things that I had in my mind that I thought would kind of play into the situation did yeah. not. Um, and so it, it just like utterly confounded me. I was like, I don't know anything anymore. I thought mm. I was seeing one thing. I wasn't, I was seeing another thing. I didn't know what it was. There's still a lot of mystery surrounding it. Um, and it just really humbled me. Um, and I think that as painful as that was, it was necessary for God to be able to reveal himself to me as this one who ultimately does have a plan. Um, mm. and it took a while to kind of get to that point, you know, there was a, this kind of like point of like near despair first, but yeah. then God just like, <laughs> praise him, like shows up, you know, and he like yes. reveals his goodness in like a supernatural way that yes. was not coming from me at all. And I think that that's what happens at the end of Thursday, whenever they finally meet Sunday face to face in his mansion or whatever mm. it is, like in his garden party, like, and they're sitting around in the, in the thrones and like, they're speaking yeah. to each other and they're seeing him face to face at the end of Job, when God finally shows mm. up and starts talking to him and addressing him and asking questions of him. And he like has this encounter. Um, and in both situations, like they're not able to figure out anything but they're able to see somehow the goodness of God. Yeah. Um, they're, they're able to see that like, actually like he is why like much more wild than we could ever imagine, but like in a good yeah. way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm, so. I keep thinking of, um, the catechism says that our purpose in life is to know, to love and to serve God. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that's mm -hmm. what God wants for us. For us to know mm -hmm. him, for us to love him, for us to serve him. And he does that in mysterious ways. He accomplishes that mm -hmm. in mysterious ways with us. Um, that's just been going through my mind. But it's like, that's always his end goal is to love us and to have him, us love him freely. Mm. And I, yeah. I wonder if he comes up with this crazy scheme, comes up. Well, you know what I mean. Um, I'm using yeah. hum human language here, but comes <laughs> up, this crazy scheme is exactly what these men need. And I feel like I said something similar to this in our in our last episode about Thursday, but this is maybe exactly what they needed in order to be drawn into him um, yeah. and to, to really yeah. love him, to know him. Very... <laughs> <laughs> I love you, it's Lord, confusing. but wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I know. It's interesting to me. I think I've, I've kind of been reflecting on free will mm. um, and how it makes sense to me that um, we have to have free will in order to love, mm -hmm. um, that love is, is free. And so if God wanted us to love truly, he is love, right? So for, in order for us as human beings to experience that love, we had to have freedom, yes. um, which is scary because we also have the freedom to choose against. But um, I used to think when I would read through the Old Testament and I would see the Israelites and just like how wacky they were and like always turning away from God and coming back and turning away from God. And, and I was just like, God, like after Adam and Eve fell, like why did you have to take so many years, like so many thousands of years to like 
prepare them for you to come like as a savior like and even now like lord why do we have to continue like suffering on this earth for so many hundreds of thousands of years like Mm. um until you come again you know like why why take so long but (laughs) after being a teacher for eight years and i'm sure all of you out there who have either been teachers or who have children (laughs) know that in order to work with someone's free will um it takes a long time (laughs) (laughs) to guide them (laughs) to guide them in the right direction and sometimes you have to get super creative and use all kinds of reverse psychology Mm -hmm. and (laughs) (laughs) to get somebody to choose of their own accord you know what I mean like you can't force anyone like when they have this freedom you know to choose what is good Um, but there's lots of different crazy tactics that you could take to make them not make them but to to offer them the opportunity to see you know the truth or whatever and so I just I mean I believe that God is infinitely creative and so it makes sense to me that he would come up with all these crazy schemes like while still allowing for our free will and the free will of the people around us but like kind of knowing in his mind like what all of us will choose you know or do choose in Mm -hmm. different situations that somehow he can make all that work together without yeah not yeah. Or without um, taking away our freedom, you know, but it takes, a, it takes a long time, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it takes an, in, mm-hmm. an infinite, an infinitely good mind mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to be able to accomplish that. Like, thank God, none yeah. of us have to try to work that out. We're not mm. in charge of that. We, we don't need to be. I, mm. That's amazing. Yeah. I really like this quote from the essay on Job. Um, He's speaking, Chesterton is speaking about how Job questions God in the midst of his suffering. And I mentioned earlier how Job never doubts that God exists. Um, he And he does, in I guess in some sense, maybe doubt the goodness of God, but he doesn't even really doubt the goodness of God. He is demanding an explanation from God. So Chesterton says, he does it in the spirit in which a wife might demand an explanation from her husband, whom she really respected. He remonstrates Mm. with his maker because he is proud of his maker. He even speaks Mm. of the almighty as his enemy, but he never doubts at the back of his mind that his enemy has some kind of case, which he does not understand. Mm. So all these questions that, that Job is like, he's, he's lashing out. It says he shakes the pillars of the world and strikes insanely at the heavens. He lashes at the stars, but Mm. it is not to silence them. It is to make them speak. So he's saying like, I believe God, that you have a reason, but I don't get it. Dang it. (laughs) It's really frustrating and I'm suffering and I like want you to reveal to me your reason so that I can like be shown that you really are good and that you really are loving because that's what I believe. Like, I really do believe that you're good. I really do believe that you're loving, but like, this is hard to reconcile. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so he's really, it's like a true prayer, you know? Yes. It reminds me of somewhere, somewhere else Chesterton writes about this also, with um basically saying like somebody that you love you take the time to engage with even when it's uncomfortable Mm. like yeah like you just read the wife with a husband whom she respects etc it's like she's gonna Mm. actually take the a wife who loves her husband is gonna take the time to engage with him to lodge a complaint to whatever try to make things better because Mm -hmm. what is the purpose of healthy argument as we learned at the conference it's it's not Mm -hmm. just to win something or to feel superior it's to come to a better love of each other and a better love of the truth so yeah 
I love you're willing to get messy because the relationship is worth it. Yes. Like it's worth the struggle. And for Job, it was worth it or it is worth it. And, and with Syme as well, like he doesn't give up even though he's super confused at the end when they end up at the, the mansion party. Um, Mm -hmm. although they, (laughs) I really don't think that they're all silenced until he says, can you drink drink of the cup that I drink Mm -hmm. of? But Mm -hmm. I do love that. It, that point that Chesterton makes in his introduction that stuck out to me probably more than anything else. Um, that Job did what he, he responded the way that he did because he loves God and he didn't just give up on him, which is what makes him yeah. a righteous man. Right. Right. And, and it's also what makes his friends like kind of less than in the sense that they don't quite get it as much as he does um, mm. because they're trying to kind of write it off. They're trying to, kind of oh this is uncomfortable so we're gonna sweep it under the rug and you know kind of say that there's a reason for everything and you know Chesterton loves to talk about like pessimism and optimism um so he's speaking about this in the essay um and he says that some people might look at Job and think that he's a pessimist because he's like suffering so much and he's questioning all these things and whatever um but he says if (laughs) wishing to be happy and being quite ready to be happy constitute an optimist Job is an optimist he is an outraged and insulted (laughs) optimist because he's like God I believe you're good I believe you have good things for me like what the hell (laughs) you know like I'm ready give them come on (laughs) yeah exactly um but his friends he says uh let's see the comforters of Job may be called pessimists rather than optimists, all that they really believe is not that God is good, but that God is so strong that it is much more judicious, judicious to call him good. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people make this, this mistake, even just in Christian circles today, um, and speaking about God that we don't want to say, um, we kind of don't want to talk, talk about the fact that God would allow suffering, um, even Mm. for a righteous person, you know? Um, they're, they're willing to say that he's just, they're willing to say that he's all powerful. Um, but Job is willing to say those, those things too. Um, but true goodness, um, it's difficult to reconcile that in their minds. And so they kind of sweep it under the rug, you know, Mm. Mm. just last month, um, one of my classmates from UD lost his wife um to cancer only nine months after she had had a baby their second baby as a super young wife um and mom Mm. and this is the kind of situation where like we all want to ask why we all want to have some sort of answer Mm. um but kind of the only answer is God himself and like our hope in him that he's like holding her, loving her in eternity. Yeah. That really is the only answer to a lot of these really difficult situations where there's great suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and when we know, we all know personally when we suffer that when somebody tries to make sense of suffering that doesn't make sense, like it hurts more. You know, when we're suffering, somebody is trying to give some sort of reason or write it off like, oh, well, you know, like they lived a good life or like, oh, well, like you can love again, you know, like things like that. It just it's so biting and it's so like not not helpful and it hurts so much more because like 
the reality is like, no, this sucks. And we don't know. We don't know the reason, you know, Um, but but God does know the reason. Yeah. um, And God is good. And if those two things are true, then I think we can survive. You know what I mean? Like we can continue on um, as much as, you know, and as difficult as it is. I feel like at the heart of all of this, um, the introduction that he does for the book of Job and then in the book itself in The Man Who Is Thursday, Chesterton, I think he really resounds um, with the book of Job because at the heart of it is humility, right? It's like we mm-hmm. have to have humility in order to be at peace with God, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we may not get an answer. We may not get what we want. The outcome might not be what we want. But if we can have humility and recognize how small we are in mm-hmm. relation to God and have mm-hmm. humility in the whole situation, then that's the only way that we can come to peace with God. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, like... This is a small example, but the other day I was like going crazy out of my mind because I had my son and my nephew and they were both shrieking a ton the whole day and it's like (laughs) grating on my nerves and it was just like a busy, hard day and they finally both went down to sleep and I came up to David's office and I was like, you know, honey, I literally said out loud downstairs with the kids like, what did I do to deserve this? And I don't mean like I I adore these two people more than anyone, but like, and then I said a lot. I have not always been a very good person. Like I could think of many examples. Like Mm. if it if it's a if it's a logic game of deserving and not deserving, I 100% deserve this. Like (laughs) I've done plenty to deserve this in my life. But that just made me laugh and kind of as I was thinking about talking about this today just (laughs) we we aren't that great okay like we we have done some things to sometimes deserve a little suffering like sometimes just like the natural consequences of our choices um Mm -hmm. so anywho um was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap things up just a few things I have um just another little just touch points from the man who was Thursday who I think or which I think connect to Job. Um, so in the very beginning, when the whole book is being set up, The mm-hmm. Man Who Was Thursday, um, you have Gregory and Syme, right? Mm-hmm. And if you remember that it's the two poets of Saffron Park. So yes. they're arguing about poetry and they're saying, Gregory is saying that order is poetry. and Or no, sorry, Syme is saying that order is poetry and Gregory yes. is saying that chaos is poetry. Yes. Um, and so Syme is, is arguing that there is like, an order to the universe and that this is what is magnificent. And Gregory is, is arguing that there's no order to the universe and this is what is magnificent. Yes. Um, and in a way they're both wrong. Um, but Syme is more right than Gregory is because there is an order to the universe, but the difference is that, or the reason why Syme kind of is wrong in some way is that the order is not, um, able to be comprehended by Mm. human beings Um, that some of it might be but a lot of it is not Um, and so he has to be humbled too like Syme is correct in some way but he's also incorrect in another Mm. way Um, Gregory is incorrect about the anarchy but he's also in a way correct that from a human perspective 
the universe is wild and chaotic um, that we can't explain why things are the way that they are. Um, We can't, you know, there's certain things obviously with like science that we can discover, but like, but there's not like why, like God says in Job, like, why does this, this beast exist? You know, like, look at him. Isn't he crazy? Like, look at his, look at his bones and look at his thighs and look at his, like, whatever, like, isn't he crazy? You know? And he's just like showing like, no, no, the world is wild. And so I think in some way Chesterton saw that, that like God in a way is kind of an anarchist, (laughs) but also is not like, you know, Mm -hmm. like he has an order, but the order is so much higher than our ability to comprehend. Well, order is not just the lamppost and the train tables like the timetables it's like yeah order is also in the construction of the rhino which looks so crazy like order is in in the hierarchy of animals and creation Mm. and all of that yeah yeah so i think um at the end like syme is able to see to accept his own ignorance finally and he's able to say like you know what like there is an order maybe but i don't know what it is and like only sunday knows what's going on here and so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to ask him myself i'm gonna have to face him i'm gonna have to come up to him and be like yo what the heck is going on you know (laughs) um and gregory though at the end lashes out and accuses Sunday of making him suffer needlessly without suffering himself. He's like, have you suffered? Have you suffered? And Syme is, it's really interesting because Syme at the end is like, whoa, like we have suffered, Gregory. Like we have suffered like you've suffered. Like we, we do know what it means like to suffer and still believe, you know, or to still follow. Um, But then he, they all look at Sunday, like, have you suffered? And that's the real question. Like, a God who would allow suffering but not suffer himself. Like, I don't know about that. It you know sounds what I mean? pretty and that's cruel. What, yeah. Yeah. And that's what Gregory, I think, is is lashing out about. But that's when Sunday shifts gears and the whole thing goes silent and black. And he says, like, can you drink of the cup which I drink of? Which is the words of Christ, you know, yeah. basically saying, like, no, like, I became one of you and entered into this world this crazy chaotic like ordered whatever universe um in order to suffer with you to bring you through it to a greater end like there is an order there is a reason um but Mm. you're not going to comprehend it but what you can comprehend is somebody being with you in that suffering Mm. um suffering with you there's this camaraderie that the days of the week have by the end of the book because they're able to suffer together they're like on this journey together they used to think that they were all enemies they, yeah. they used to think they had, they held each other in suspicion. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about this person. I don't know who he is. He seems evil. He seems wrong. His philosophy seems off. You know, there's like all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like Chesterton says elsewhere, like we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. Yeah. Like, and once we can recognize that, the sooner we can recognize that, the better, because then all of a sudden it reframes the whole thing. Like we're, we're all suffering. We're all Mm -hmm. in this adventure together. Mm -hmm. Um, and we should be seeking God together and trying to go deeper into the mystery of God together. Um, and that makes it much more bearable when we have that, that community surrounding us, who's, who's suffering and struggling with us, um, and not in isolation. You know, there's a lot of talk in the man who was Thursday about like the, the crushing weight of isolation. And once they finally found they had a friend, everything changed. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, just, I guess, a couple of other things. Um, At the very end of Thursday, where you kind of see Sunday 
as God, they, <laughs> they start chasing God and then God starts chasing them. You know, like they start yes. chasing Sunday and then Sunday starts chasing them and then they, they're chasing Sunday. And I think that's sort of like, uh, our spiritual lives as well, where it's like, we're chasing God, we're trying to figure him out. And then he's chasing us and we're like, ah, <laughs> you know? yeah. there's this, uh, this I don't pursuit, know if I'm like, <laughs> yeah, back and yeah. forth. <laughs> that's like really <laughs> difficult, um, and confusing. Um, yeah. but then also at the end, they find themselves in the zoo. And I don't know if we mentioned this before, but that's so like Job, because when God finally shows up, he starts talking about all these animals and you're like, God, what the heck are you talking about all these animals? You know, and at the end of, of Thursday, you're like, why are we in the zoo? This is so random. Like all these animals, you know, all of a sudden, like this seems to have nothing at all to do with anything else. And that's yeah. kind of the point. But it's but yeah. I think it's a direct reference to, to Job, to the book of Job. Yeah. Um, but then you also see Sunday's hot air balloon go down and they think like, oh, my gosh, he's died. But then he comes back up at his um, at his house, at his mansion. And I think that, uh, that might have been an allusion to the death and resurrection of, of God, of Jesus. Wow. Um, and they end up at this masquerade ball, which is like the wedding feast. And they're able to finally speak to him face yes. to face. Um, oh, um, mm. a quick point I want to make. Um, and then we, and then I do. Need, and then I need to get going. Yeah, we but can wrap it up. <laughs> the last um at the conference we were asked by someone and I'm sorry I don't remember your name sir but um somebody asked us if the days of the week had anything to do with the um like cosmological theory that about Mm -hmm. Lewis um what is that book called oh my gosh Um, oh it's like the Narnia code or yes the Narnia code and so like how the planets really play into um the story the narnia stories and um honestly into the space trilogy and um basically that the planets play a big role in c.s lewis's work and so obviously we're dealing with the days of the week here so there like could be some planetary connection but david and i looked through and like read um the descriptions of the um, days of the week at the masquerade party and how they were dressed. Mm. And it doesn't Mm. seem to have any planetary connection Um, because Mm. there are certain traits, for example, of that each of the days of the week would have if Mm. there was like this same Narnia code type connection and they didn't. And, but what it did have directly in connection was the days of creation so yeah. the descriptions of the the guys at the end were all in accordance with like Genesis and the biblical um, creation story. So I think that's what Chesterton took it from. I don't think he took it from um, the the stars and the planets. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it makes more sense to think about it in terms of of scripture. I think. Um. All right. Well, did you have any other thoughts or? No, it's been a pleasure listening to you okay. chat. Yeah. Thanks. Today. I know I've been sort of rab- rambling. No, I've been I, thinking about this like I constantly. Love <laughs> I love it. This is fantastic. I'm glad we touched on it again because there was just a lot to think about, especially after you presented um, on it at the at the conference. Um, I'm glad we needed mm-hmm. to do another episode. So, um, yeah. well, I highly recommend uh, for anybody out there who wasn't thinking about Job when they were reading Thursday the first time before we podcast it to go back and read it again because again it just keeps bearing so much fruit in my own life just like rereading this book over and over again so many times so highly recommend 
Um, you can find us at Pints with Chesterton on Instagram, pintswithchesterton.com, and um, our email account is pintswithchesterton at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. Even if I'm not the most speedy at responding, I try to be. <laughs> we love Neither to hear from you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we hope you guys have a great week and may you all enjoy Lives of Wit and Whimsy. Cheers. Cheers.